Uh, good morning, everybody. Sure is good to see everyone today. Whether you're here with me in the room or we're together online, I'm just really glad we're together. Amen. And I'm really looking forward to jumping in to God's word. Uh, the other day, I was sorting through some old files and I was reminded by actually finding my speech that I was one of the speakers at my high school graduation. I'd kind of totally forgotten that that had happened. Uh, and I was struck as I looked at that, uh, that what I did back then when I gave that speech at graduation is what I'm doing even now uh, with all of you so often. And what we're going to do today, reminding us all to think of the whole of life, to think of even the end of life, and then to begin to see from that perspective what life is all about. That the idea of thinking about what we might be thinking about on our last day of earthly life can help me live differently this day of my earthly life. And I shared that famous quote from Emerson that says, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child or a garden patch or a redeemed social condition, to know even one life is breathed easier because you lived this is to have succeeded. That at the end of our lives, it will end up being the love of God, God's love for us, the opportunities we have taken to show that love to others, the good that we've done, maybe even the good we've left undone. These are the things that if we get the chance might be on our mind on that day. And it can be good to bring them to our mind today. Now, the great message that we get to unpack this morning is that discipleship to Jesus supplies exactly what we need in this regard. That anything we might think about in terms of how do we make that happen, that, that thing we just, you know, the idea of making the world a bit better and, and what will we be thinking at the end of our life. Man, discipleship to Jesus beautifully fulfills what we need in that regard. And I got to tell you, it's my experience that when I touch on a subject like the one we're talking about today, someone's life is about to change. Someone or someones will hear today's message, and you will take these words to heart, and it will provide for you, starting right now this morning, a course correction that you need. Or it will be a moment of clarity, such as you've never quite had before, and it will not be because of my brilliant preaching. <laughs> it will be because of the profundity of this truth, just how profound and deep and good this truth is. So I urge you, let these words land on you and don't dismiss them as not for you, maybe for someone else, but not for you. Here's the passage we're going to unpack today. It's in 1 Peter chapter 4 and it goes like this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We're going to spend the rest of our time moving through this powerful truth. Let's start with these first three words. Someone say with me, each of you. Let's say that together. Each of you. In Scripture, we read that the church is like the human body. In fact, it's even described as the body of Christ himself. And just as our bodies are made up of individual parts and systems, each with certain functions, the Bible says, so it is with each of us within his church. That each of us has a special function to fulfill 
in the body of Christ. Or uh, we get to, there's a ministry that we get to exercise within the church. So if last week we talked about the fact that the church is a family, and it absolutely is, and it's a beautiful reminder that we should never let go of, that we have brothers and sisters in Jesus that were meant to do this thing called faith in him together. Today we take that into another realm and realize that the church is like a body or like a team, and each of us has a place in it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read, all of you together are Christ's body. And, there it is, each of you is a part of it. It is vital to our discipleship that we find our fit in this body. That following Jesus means not only accepting the family that he has given us, well that's what we talked about last week, but now stepping into the mission that he's given us and the ministry that he's given us as teammates together or parts of the whole body. In Romans 12, Paul puts it like this, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. Each of you, each part, there's no wiggle room here, right? There's no chance to exclude yourself from this. Ministry is meant to thrive on the team or in the body of a local church. That God, we believe this strongly here at Outlook, that God has assembled and will continue to assemble the people that he wants to be within this local body. And there are many wonderful local bodies, local expressions of Christ's body all throughout. And that he assembles each one and gives each person the gifts that they have, and then together we form a body to do the good that He wants to see done in our area of the world through the very people that He assembles together, that He is masterfully good at this, and that He has equipped each and every one of us to be a part of that. And so a significant part of who we are as Jesus followers is missing until we find our individual place on the team or in the body. And I cannot tell you how badly I want this for you and how good it is to discover a chance to serve others in ministry in the body. So right out the gate, we're just reminding ourselves that this is for each of us. And so each of you should use, what's the next phrase? Whatever gift. Whatever gift. This is the way it works. When we say yes to Jesus, our natural abilities and talents, and we all have our own set of those, those are infused with a new compassion, a new wisdom, a new sense of what's true. They are taken to a whole new level of purpose and meaning. But then additionally, this newly indwelling Holy Spirit within us awakens us and awakens the gifts that are in us given by God but dormant until his light shines on them. In other words, there are aspects of us that have been there from the beginning that God had in mind, and yet until we say yes to Jesus and are fully just born again, like we talked about at the beginning of this series, and as we begin to live into this life that Jesus gives us, there are things there that are dormant, like dormant seeds under a cold winter soil. And until the warmth and the light of his love begins to shine, 
that we don't know quite what's underneath there. But then as we say yes to Jesus and grow in him, then things come into flower and into bloom and into fruitfulness. Those are spiritual gifts. And every Christian gets to experience that. Now, what's the purpose of these gifts? It's to point people to God, to show Christ's love, to meet people's needs, to right wrongs, to do good. These spiritual gifts are given to us for the benefit of others. And as we do, as we exercise them, man, we receive far more than we give. You can give, and you can give, and you can give in ministry in the name of Jesus, and you will always get more from him than you can ever give for him. God has purposed this ministry, as we've said, to happen primarily through his church, which is his body, as we read in those scriptures. And each of us is a part of that body, that the church is the hands, the feet, the mouth, the heart of Jesus. That Jesus is always at work. He said as much at one point. My father is always working. I, too, am working. That's true today. Jesus is at work in the world. And what Jesus is accomplishing, he is accomplishing And it makes sense, doesn't it? Through his body, the church, which isn't someone else or just some other people who have have it more together than you or me. It's us. It's just us Christians. Seemingly normal, still trying to figure it out with the Lord's help, right? Not always getting it correct or perfect every time and far from it. But these are the people, the people who've said yes to Jesus. These are the people he uses to do his work. Back to Romans 12 for a couple more moments. Uh, Verse 6, Paul writes, In His grace, in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Again, this includes everyone who has said yes to Jesus, and that can be you today. Whether you're with me online, or you're with me right here in the room, or you're watching this sometime after the fact. You might, have, you might be in a place in life in which you've been wondering, what's life all about? Can I ever really make a difference in this world? What's the meaning of life? Big questions like that. Good questions. Let me tell you, saying yes to Jesus is where those questions begin to get answered. And a huge part of that answer ends up being this truth that we're talking about today. That God had a design for you and for me, that you're not an accident, you were created with forethought and with purpose, and that there's a meaning to your life, and you discover that by being reconnected with the very one who made you, who has given you certain gifts, different, we've all got different gifts for doing certain things well. And you can say yes to Jesus, even today. I'd love to talk to you about that. Come find me after the service. So what are these gifts that we're talking about? Just so we're clear that we're all thinking the same thing. Biblically speaking, there are gifts that are described throughout the Scriptures. Here's a pretty decent inventory of those gifts, uh, categorically. We have these on our website uh, as well. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But gifts like administration or craftsmanship, creative arts or evangelism, discernment and wisdom, gifts of faith or encouragement and mercy, Gifts of giving and hospitality and intercession, that's praying for others in a very powerful, you know, stepping in for them kind of way. Gifts of knowledge and teaching, gifts of service and leadership, gifts of shepherding. These are all gifts described in the scriptures that God puts in his church through his people. And again, what we read here is intended for every Jesus follower. 
Romans goes on, that passage in Romans goes on to say this. So, if this is true, and it is, that God has equipped us all in these unique ways to serve others, if God has given you the ability, it says, to prophesy, that means to speak boldly God's truth, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. In other words, do it, right? God has given you a gift, man. Put that gift into action, whatever that may look like for you. And whether the world realizes it or not, our world, and it's always been true, it's not especially true today, it has always been true, our world is in desperate need of every disciple of Jesus making the most of his or her spiritual gifts. That God has things he wants to do through you to make this world a better place. And the world needs that from each of us. If you've not taken your spirit, uh, our spiritual gifts inventory and begin to, dis- to discover your spiritual gifts, you can go to outlookchurch.org slash gifts. And we have an online, it's a fun kind of set of questions. You can begin to answer those and it will say, hey, these, it looks like these are some areas that are, you're really strong in. It looks like God has gifted you in these ways. And then that can become the basis for a further conversation. Any, me or any of our pastors would love to sit down and bring your results from that inventory and say, hey, I'd like to talk about this. Let's see what this means, and let's talk and pray that through. That would be an absolute blast. And you can take those gifts, that learning about yourself and the way God has wired you, and then you can begin to see how you've been gifted and the needs of others in your church and in the world. And you can begin, when when you see the way those two things overlap, you'll begin to find your field of service and ministry. And friends, that is an exciting thing to find. It's from that point that we set to work. It's from that place that we put our faith into action, which is what we all need. Remember what James says. It's not on the screen. James chapter 2, it says, Just as the body without breath is dead, so is faith without deeds dead. That our faith comes alive when we put it into action. That that bike can lead against the garage all summer long. You've got to get on it and pedal it, right? If you're going to really use it for what it's for, we've got stuff inside us that we can, we can saddle up and begin to pedal and begin to make the most of those things that God has put in us. And why do we do that? It's because of what happens next. We need to serve others. Now, in the original language, this word for service is actually used twice. So the, the most literal way that you could say this is God has given you gifts, put them into service in service to others. So clearly this idea of serving is a, big, is a big idea in this passage. Take these gifts, think of them as tools, and don't leave them dormant. Pick them up and put those tools into service, and not for yourself, but to serve others. Now where did Peter first hear this? Peter's the guy who wrote this to, with the inspiration of the Spirit. Where did he first get this idea? Well, let's go back in time a little bit to when the disciples were walking with Jesus, and Peter was one of those twelve. More than once, the apostles argued among themselves about what greatness and importance looked like, and who among them had the most of it. And there's this moment in Matthew 20, it's also told in Mark 10, in which Jesus calls the disciples together and says, 
You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Is that true? Does that remain true today? You bet. The world has a certain definition of how this is supposed to work. He says, but among you, it will be different. Not here, he says. The way the world approaches this and the way you will approach it are not going to be the same. Not in this kingdom, not in this crew. These disciples, and that includes you and me, are a band of servants, just like our rabbi. These disciples don't lord anything over anyone, but instead love everyone. Amen? Real significance, according to Jesus, is discovered in service. He goes on to say this, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. For even the Son of Man, that's a descriptor of himself taken from the Old Testament, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. True greatness, Jesus says, is found in humble service. And this is the truth that changes our lives. That when we begin to see, check this out, Jesus did not tell us that it was wrong to aspire to greatness. In fact, if you go back, he says, whoever wants to become great, that there is no problem wanting to become great, to live a great life, to live a fulfilling, significant life that makes a difference or that is full and rich in meaning and purpose. That is awesome. He says, but let's make sure we know what we mean when we say greatness. Don't accept all these other definitions of it. Throughout Scripture, the same Greek word is translated as both ministry and service. And so those two words have the same Meaning, Jesus is telling us that greatness is found in service. And service is a synonym to our word ministry. So accepting a life of humble service, as Jesus is calling us to here, means answering a call to lifelong ministry. I would put it like this. Discipleship to Jesus equals service. He's made that much clear in the passage we just read. And service equals ministry. They are synonyms. Of each other. And so since every disciple is called to serve, that means every disciple has a ministry, has a set of gifts, to go back to our uh, a set of gifts that God has given us, and we employ those gifts in service to others, which is a perfect definition of the word ministry. It is simply using the gifts you have to serve others. So that means every disciple is a minister, that ministry is the natural fruit of a life lived with Jesus, and that Jesus is actively working, and he invites us to keep partnering with him in his work. Also a way to describe ministry. And friends, this makes life truly an exciting adventure, as service becomes a lifestyle we embrace. And we needn't needn't be intimidated by such a calling. God has already designed you to accomplish what he wants to do through you, in changing the world. Check this out in Ephesians chapter 2. It says that we are God's handiwork, crafted by Him, crafted by hand by Him. We are designed by Him, His handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The mind-blowing truth that I always sense when I read that passage is this. 
God had an idea of the good things he desired to see done in this world. And then he made you. That God saw the world in all of its need. And he knew the good that he wanted to see done in this world. And he put you and me on it. In all of our uniqueness and all the way, all of our experiences and all of our giftedness, all coming alive and repurposed by the Holy Spirit, there's good to be done in the world, in real human lives, in the church, in the world, for each other, in your neighborhood, around the world, you name it. And that good is done through each of us, that we are designed to make a difference to not just make our own lives better or more comfortable or more convenient, but to actually make the world a better place because disciples of Jesus are in it. This all happens because of love. Love fuels our service. That's true for Jesus. Certainly it's love that, gave, that drove him to the ultimate service of, of sacrificing his life on the cross. As he said, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. That's exactly what he calls us to do as well, that our discipleship to him will yield service out of love, which is the same as ministry. Am I trying to enlist you into ministry? You bet I am. Absolutely. Because friends, I'm telling you, this is the life. This is life as Jesus intends to give it to us, and that is us giving it away. Again and again, we see it's in giving away our lives. That's exactly how we end up getting to keep them, he says. The virtue he wants to grow in us is humility. The act that flows from that virtue is serving others. The motivation for all of it is love. And what a power love is. And love is felt in service to others in ministry. It's not just something on a greeting card or something we write songs or poems about. It is something that is felt as we put ourselves last and others first in ministry. There is no love without service and no service without humility. This is the description of what we're talking about here. We can find this uh, in Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Don't keep putting yourself first. Look at others and their interests. Look at those first. Not your own, but the interests of others. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. To see the needs of others and realize that to you now, as a person filled with divine love, those needs are more important than mine to me. That I want to fulfill and help uh, fulfill my giftedness and to, and to meet the needs of others in a way that is in service to them. We may aspire to greatness. In some sense, we probably all do in that we want our lives to have some greatness to them, and that's a very good thing. But we also argue with ourselves and with our culture about what constitutes being a person of consequence and greatness. If we look around, we have to wonder, is it fame? Is it power? Is it talent or riches? So many competing and sometimes toxic definitions of what greatness is. But let those words of Jesus cut through the fog and the noise of how the world wants to define greatness and realize that that greatness is actually found most in silent, humble service. Not in a service that calls attention to itself, 
or need someone else to tell you how great you are, but that between you and the one who made you, you'll spend your life doing as much good as you can for as many people as you can, knowing that on your last day, it will be that that will matter most, and that the fact that he knows it is also all that will matter. Neither we nor our world really want to hear the axiom of Jesus that he says so often, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but it's those who humble themselves that will end up exalted. So friends, my plea to us today is to find the fulfillment you're looking for in ministry with your brothers and sisters in Jesus. Tap into the powers that you've been given and use them for good to make a difference, to serve others in love. This is ministry. It's not just something pastors do or missionaries or whatever. Every single disciple of Jesus has this call to a ministry. You can check out all the ways that you can use your gifts in ministry here at Outlook by just going to outlookchurch.org serve. Again, that would be a fun thing to sit down and talk about. I love the way Dr. Tony Evans sums this whole subject up. He says, in the kingdom, greatness is measured by your heart of service. God has uniquely equipped you for service. Your special gift or ability is tied to your assignment. In fact, the ability is there to achieve the assignment that is given. Again, this idea that God had a reason for making you just the way you are. And there's, we all benefit from you tapping into that and doing something with it in the world. So serve others in ministry because it is a way, and this is our last point, that we steward God's grace. You may have been hearing what I've been talking about so far today and thinking greatness, ministry, man, that's not me. That'll never be me. It might be someone else, but not me. You may have thought that a great life was no longer possible for you. Maybe right now your mind's going to something you've done, or something you've had done to you, or some circumstance in your life that is, for whatever reason, put distance between you and the kind of thing we're talking about today or you feel it disqualifies you in some fashion. But i got to remind you of this thing called grace. That Jesus meets us exactly where we are, every single one of us, only to then love us into the people he always had in mind from the beginning for us to be. And that is absolutely a part of every human story. That Jesus loves you, and he wants to turn you into this person that he always intended you to be and it will be a blast. Remember, these are gifts we're talking about here. Gifts are given from love and on purpose. In fact, the Greek words for gift and grace come from the same word. So gift is inherently an act of grace, to receive a gift or to, to someone to give a gift. That is a graceful act. So let God be the good and gracious God He is. Just let Him be Himself to you and accept what He has indeed given you. Gifts of grace that you may serve in love. Whatever God, whatever ways God has gifted you as his servant, however he has crafted you as his vessel, discover that. Lean into that. Develop that. A whole world of people need you to be who God made you to be and to make the difference he designed you to make. I need you to do that. And the person down the road needs you to do that. We need each other to do that. 
The whole body only works when all the parts are functioning, right? We all feel that in our own human bodies. It is a lesson that we can viscerally affirm. It only works when all the parts are working. When one part stops working, it gets our attention and we suffer for it, right? Friends, our local church, any local church, will suffer when not all the parts are doing what they've been called to do. And you will suffer too. I'm telling you. Because you're missing out on a huge aspect of the way God has designed this whole discipleship thing to work. So let's answer the call to do what we're made to do. What only we can do. And what others need us to do. How do we do that? Let me close with these ideas. First, step out in faith. Sometimes ministry is risky and messy. Let me, let me correct that. Uh, all the time, ministry is risky and messy. But go for it anyway. It will test your patience. It will stretch you in ways that will be uncomfortable. Uh, but let it do exactly that. You'll be better for it, and I will be too. When we try to make a difference, we don't always know what will happen or what will work. But we can trust that we're not alone and that love can win the day. So if you haven't already, assess how God has uniquely gifted you for ministry and then get started serving in some fashion, learning from that experience and adjusting as you go. Join a team in your church. There's no substitute for working alongside brothers and sisters as you serve together to make a difference. So, man, take that step of faith. We're here to help you with that. Secondly, stay humble. We serve because we love. And love leaves no room for arrogance. We let ministry do its work in us so that we can then become the kind of people who do and serve ministry, serve in ministry. Look for ways to serve those in need. Part of humility is, is, is opening your eyes to the needs of others. Let God turn your heart toward the poverties and the injustices and the pains that have already captured His. That too is part of humility. So stay humble as you step out in faith. And finally, maybe you've been serving in ministry for a long time. Let me just give you a quick word of encouragement. Stick with it. Loving and serving others requires patience and perseverance. And the fruit of our toil may take years to blossom, if at all. But the Bible assures us no labor of love is in vain. No labor of love is in vain. And have we been called to a life of labor? We have. But man, it's good. And I don't want you to miss out on it. As you grab your bread and cup here, and we kind of wrap up our thoughts by coming to the table of the Lord, I just want to remind us that Jesus himself does in every way embody what we're talking about here. That this labor is his labor, and we're doing it right there with him. That this love is his love, and we're filled with it so we can show it to others. On the night before Jesus went to the cross, he shared a meal with his disciples. And in Luke 22, we read that they had another similar conversation to what we're talking about here. And he asks in Luke 22, at that table, he says, who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? He says, the one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as one who serves. Again, he's painting the contrast. You know, in the world, it's the, it's the, uh, you know, the high and mighty, maybe the rich person at the table with the servants coming to serve. That's what the world says. Oh, that must be a great person. But Jesus is at that table. He's already washed his disciples' feet. We read that in John 13. He says, I'm among you 
as one who serves. Again, it's a different way of looking at it. And so as we take the bread and the cup each week, we are recognizing that He is indeed among us. And among us how? Among us as one who serves. Serves by giving His life away. Calling us to do the same. Let's think on all of that as we take the bread together. And when we take the cup, we're reminded of the Apostle John who writes that this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, but then he follows it by saying, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So when we remember the sacrifice of Jesus for us, we're also reminding ourselves of the life of service and sacrifice that he's calling us to. And we accept that call because we begin to recognize it is just just really so very good. So let's do all of that as we take the cup together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your scriptures today. We receive it for what it is, this deeply, in one way, simple to understand, but in another way, something we can unpack every day for the rest of our lives. That you have gifted us to make a difference in the world. You've designed us to do good, to change and affect and, and, and make a difference in the lives of others, to serve in ministry. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would take the seed of this truth and plant it in all of our hearts, each and every heart, and that it would grow. That it would be the germ of an idea that we just can't shake. Do you mean, God, you want me to do something in ministry, in your church, and in the world? And to hear you say again and again, Lord, yes, that's exactly what I want to do in and through you. Lord, help us to accept that truth. We love you so much, and we only want to please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.